I'm Aria Schwartz, along with Rachel Galligan, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. Camp has begun, so let's not waste any time and dive in. show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com backslash windsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget to see our amazing staff's written content over at windsider.com that's windsider.com if you're looking for a fun new way to enjoy the w join windsider on playback our w watch parties use the link playback.tv backslash windsider that's playback.tv backslash windsider and hey you never know when we're gonna do a WNBA merch giveaway welcome back to the windsider show excited for this first WNBA training camp edition for the 2023 season but first of all make sure i know i say this before every episode but make sure you're subscribed to patreon we've just refreshed the coverage there um, and if you are subscribed, you know this because you have been flooded with content recently. So make sure to subscribe. Uh, there's some really cool stuff going on there. And it's definitely worth uh, just a cup of coffee a month. Rachel, camp is upon us. Life gets crazy. It feels like not too long ago, March Madness just finished. Not too long before that, the WNBA season just finished. What's kind of piquing your interest? What's on top of mind uh for as i like to call you hoff oh my gosh um i said at the last show i just feel you know it's just like i feel like we're kind of in a holding pattern <laughs> obviously um it's like the calm before the storm if you will like just i'm just waiting to kind of see the product on the floor um i think you know you get little snippets here and there of, of how teams um are looking and, and you see certain snippets about you know how coaches are reacting to certain rookies that are how they're performing and you know you're hearing you're hearing a lot of things in certain press conferences media days whatever that might be I think for me um really intrigued with the Connecticut Sun you know I I, I think that you know we, we've become so accustomed to that team for so many years um still have some key pieces but they shifted so much during free agency um, you know, Alexis Morris and, and, and their draft wasn't huge by any stretch, but I'm curious to see just how this team ends up shaking out, um, at, combined with the new system of stuff white, you know, and, and just kind of what, what that's going to look like. I mean, there's just, I've said it before, I'll keep saying it. There, there feels like there's a five or six really massive question marks, um, in this league right now. And again, that's half, obviously half the league. So you have just question marks of what is this complete unknowns, you know, and, and ends of an era, um, if you will. So I would say really intrigued with Connecticut can, how does Alexis Morris fit in to that roster? You know, you had the additions of Ty Harish, Becca Allen, things like that. Um, Bree Jones obviously is, is the focal point returner. Um, Alyssa Thomas, you know, so you do have pieces of it, but there's so many elements of newness. And on the other side, I mean, I'm going to keep talking about the Indiana fever because I'm just so it's been such a good talking point for so many years and, and what it, you know, the last five years, I feel like, you know, everything we've seen and the 
reemergence of that organization, can this year, can this new head coach, um, you know, take this thing, take that next step? Are they prepared to take that next step? I mean, you've got a team there that could potentially sign three draft picks to the roster, depending on how it shakes out. You know, does Grace Berger end up, you know, being that, um, that player that ends up, you know, really making this team and contributing? I think she can. You know, I know they've, they've, they've been speaking very highly of her recently, but um, those are the things that I'm kind of just thinking through in my mind, you know, as we're leading up to the show and just probably the two teams that I'm most focused on. I know everybody wants to say Las Vegas and New York, um, but I'm, I'm really, I'm really intrigued with Indiana and Connecticut specifically. Well, first of all, I completely agree. Uh, and, and Rachel knows and a few other people <clears throat> in the know know that, there was a recent night that I had a little bit too much wine and a little bit too much afternoon <laughs> coffee and just like went crazy deep you dive did. into all of the teams. Um, shout out as always to her hoop stats uh, because they provide a necessity, which is salary cap information and details. Um, sure. So let's, let's touch on some of these teams. First of all, why not talk about the Liberty off the, out of the gate? Liberty and Vegas, because they're the two easiest teams to talk about, in my opinion, when it comes to uh, the current specifics and the current playout that we're at now. So the Aces have 11 on the books, basically. Um, but if they want to keep Sydney Colson, who, you know, yeah, she's not pulling the, the biggest minutes, but if you look at the the social media presence of the Aces, excuse me, I think it's pretty clear to see that they expect. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, No, you're totally right. Um, But if they want to keep her on the team, they're going to either have to cut uh, Asia Shepard or Kirsten Bell. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be interesting kind of to see what they do there. um, Losing, you know, recent draft picks uh, for a player who has shown importance, no doubt. Um, but it's, it's just an interesting aspect there. Also, look, some additions of like Kayla George and Alicia Clark, maybe make that decision a little bit easier. Um, but keep an eye out for, for some cuts in that regard. And then the liberties is a more interesting one. It's a little bit more confusing. So bear with me, but in the general scheme of things, when it comes to all these different teams, it's fairly, fairly simple. They got nine people on the books. 138k in cap space um they can sign two straight up and play at 11 if they sign prince they can't sign uh near Sabali without cutting someone else if they sign prince um if they sign prince they can sign han sika or uh marine obviously we know they want marine um so basically the roster is set and i in this is my perspective i assume han and marine make the team and then it comes down to either Sika or Sabali if they cut Didi or Jocelyn Willoughby. So it in in if we want to skip from like in the weeds to just the end point, it comes down to either they keep Sika uh, or Sabali, but then they need to cut Didi or Jocelyn Willoughby. So either you're saying, hey, there goes two high potential draft picks from recent years. High, yeah. high picks also, um, or you're cutting, you know, Didi, who has shown an immense importance to this team, not just as a bench player who hypes up the team, 
um, but also as a role player. And then Jocelyn Willoughby, like similarly, another player who not a superstar, but has shown importance on this team. So I will also say that Willoughby having a slightly larger contract in this case won't affect it. But in many cases, a very smart WNBA agent spoke to me one day and said, look, in the new CBA, it's going to be the death of the middle class. Take the lowest contract because you don't want 5,000 to be a reason that you are booted from a team. Um, Yeah. Fascinating point. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's really interesting because most people like, oh, make your money, make your money, make your money. Yeah, that's cool and all, but like that would you rather like guarantee to make it all or may have the possibility of making 10,000 more you know it's the mystery box um shout out to family guy or the simpsons or whatever uh <laughs> that gets from uh but the connecticut sun first team you talked about yeah in my mind you have nine locks and that's duana bonner Alyssa thomas brie jones tiffany hayes becca allen Letitia heideman ty harris and dijanae carrington now you might say sorry and oh no olivia nelson odota um that's the nine in my mind that are locks. You could argue that Ono is not a lock. You could argue uh, maybe, you know, Ty Harris isn't. I, I would argue against that because I think they need that point guard depth. I disagree. I uh, you could argue Natisha Heideman. What? I, th- I think she is a lock for sure. Yeah. Is there any of those nine that you think are not locks? No, I, I agree with you. So I think then people would then look at and question, well, why isn't Nia Cloud in the lock? The reason I don't think she's a lock is basically with Cloud and on roster, right? With their 10 players, if you include her, they don't have enough money to sign Alexis Morris, their pick from this past year, or Prechtel. So, well, Prechtel they could actually, but that's not here. No. Um, essentially, because of where players are drafted, the contract, the base contract that they're signing is slightly different scales and only having 62 in cap space and Alexis Morris being a 65 uh, cap hit based on where she was drafted. That puts them in a tough situation. Now, the question I have is Nia Cloudin is somebody of the old guard. We both know how much Kurt Miller loved Cloudin, but does that mean specifically that she's going to get a shot on this team? I don't think so. I mean, not to say that she won't get a shot, but to say that the person who drafted you and had you in mind for a certain role is no longer there. Can Alexis Morris jump that? Now, the call me a jerk, call me a hater, yay, call me whatever you want. And also keep in mind that this is on the assumption that Becca Allen is healthy and Tiff Hayes right. comes over and right. plays on time and all that jazz. Right. Which um, no. I, don't, I don't like to, especially in the W where they are not as forthcoming or revealing about injuries especially ones that happen overseas um see countless examples just this year i always like to assume that the players are healthy unless told otherwise um but so for me the interesting aspect is i'm looking at clowden or morris right maybe one of these others uh you know cracks it we saw that they got rid of kiki the other day um, which is a whole nother discussion of like why you're cutting people that early. What's the reasoning behind it? But that's a different episode. Um, but I look at this and I go, and I'm curious for you, Rachel. I know you didn't see the exact post because I was the one who uh, dropped a rage bomb on you. Now, Alexis Morris has been very vocal 
um, since being drafted about how she did not feel prepared for WNBA training camp. And I think a fair pushback to some of the things she said was a lot of what she was putting on the teams in college, in my opinion, should be put on the players. One of the things she said is like, we need to be watching more W. Well, that's a you thing, not your coach thing. We've yes. Been We've th- been screaming that for a decade now. Yeah. And, and do we think coaches should show you more W tape? Yes, of course. But like, and this is to her next point of like, they should be par- preparing us for the playing style. Yes and no. Like, no, they shouldn't. You know, if I'm a college coach, Rachel, my job is to make sure, first and foremost, that our team and players succeed in their current position at the school. Do I want my players to succeed after in life? Yes, 100%. And maybe this is like a poor take from someone who's never played collegiately and only covers pro sports. But you, I, at least from my perspective, think that you have to understand that these college coaches will be fired if they decide on, you know, in whatever, for this next season, we're going to play a style of game that will prepare our players better for the pros Keep in mind, most of our players won't make it to the pros anyways because there's not enough spots for them. But we're going to change our style of play so that you'll be more prepared for the pros and then have a horrible season and get fired. Like, to me, you have to have success as a college coach. Otherwise, you don't have a job to prepare people for the W. So I think it's a little bit of a catch-22. Maybe I'm oversimplifying it. But I am curious, like, in your mind, is that just a player who – has faced the harsh realities of the real world or could I be, am I not reading into it enough that, Hey, maybe she had a couple bad days at camp and maybe Nia Cloudin could be beating out Alexa. Like, you know what I mean? Like, well, I have to be really choice with my words here (laughs) Um, because obviously I'm extremely involved in in the NCAA game and I'm extremely involved in the WNBA game. Um, there's a lot. I could go on an entire show rant about this, but I'm going to choose not to. I, I really think it is a shock. It's a complete shock. You know, when you make that jump, every rookie, you know, who steps into training camp, they're surprised. It's been that way since the beginning of time. It's even like that way when men make the jump from the NCAA to the pro leagues, you know? So like what I'm hearing is just a player who's going through those adjustments and that jump. Now, if you want to say it's someone else's fault, then it's not just a part of the process. That's completely fair, but it's still going to happen. You know, like you can't, like we're talking about college basketball and we're talking about a jump to a league that's, you know, less than 30 years old, but still an amazing product is growing, blah, 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 blah. Um, You know, I'm sure camp is hard. (laughs) Now, imagine walking into these camps and you're going toe-to-toe, you know, with Alyssa Thomas and she's steamrolling you in the lane and you're flying across and no no one's going to sit there and help you up. You know, like this this is your job now. It intrinsically is different. Now, granted, now you could make an argument about NCAA with NIL now at the highest levels is really starting to mirror the pinnacle of financial gain and pros and whatever but I I mean you're literally it's a change it's never not going to be a change and I I I think that you're you are reading into it enough I think camp probably for any rookie is a challenge I'm sure your head is spinning as as it is when a high schooler goes to college and they're their freshman year and their head is spinning and they don't know what the hell is up and down what left or right you know I, I look at it as 
that's going to happen. And it's not necessarily about preparing. Um, I, I think we've got to take some accountability as young women. I mean, get on social media and you can see plenty of where your future employer is, is playing, where you can access that. Like you've got to take some accountability and dive into that more and, and embrace that more. We talked about, we've had draft picks that couldn't even name a WNBA player on our show, you know? So like, whose fault is that? To me, it's an accountability thing. You know, if you, if you want to study who your future employer is going to be, you got to do that work. That's all I'm going to say about that aspect of it. But I do think that, you know, we've talked about bridging that gap from the grassroots to the WNBA. Now we're talking about bridging the gap from collegiately to the WNBA. There's a whole lot of things we could talk about. So I, and then on the other hand, I can, I can understand, you know, like the pro style of play is vastly different than the college basketball style of play for sure. But like, they're two different entities. They're two different jobs. <laughs> you know, it's like comparing apples to oranges to, to me. Um, and what and what those college coaches, what Kim Mulkey, what Gino, even down to, you know, the lower levels are trying to do to, to win games and to win their conference and, and go be competitive. I, anyway, I, I'm going on a massive rant right now. But I do think you're probably reading no. into just natural frustrations of a rookie in training camp. Um you know, a natural frustrations of just like the reality of what you just stepped into is probably like nothing you really probably could have been prepared for. So let's dive into what are the things I could have done differently or my team, my coaches, the people around me could have helped me with. I think that that was what was trying to be communicated there. Um, yeah, that's how I feel about that. Love it. No, I appreciate your insight. <laughs> and I also think like, no, part I'm of clearly, me. No. I'm clearly passionate about that topic. You know, I, I, it's, I, I, I'm a firm believer that the younger generation has got to embrace the WNBA more and they've got to do the work. Like if, if you're, if, like, if I'm, if I'm going into a job interview and I don't know anything about the company, that's on me. Yeah. Sorry. No, hundred <laughs> percent. And like you had time from the championship before the draft, yeah. after the draft, like there's more than enough time. I just keep thinking about like, just wait till you go overseas. That, that, that that's the line that keeps popping up in my head. Is yeah. like, and oh, this man, isn't yeah. a shot towards, yeah. um, towards Morris specifically. I think a lot of other people probably feel that way, have experienced the same, maybe even posted on social media similarly. Like this is a new wave, a new generation of people who are more comfortable. And props to them expressing their feelings on social media. And I also think good that for them. Feelings, express those yourself. Feelings, those feelings are super valid. I mean, it's like whoa. Yeah. I, this is happening. What could have, what could have got, taken place up before this point to help me be more prepared? I think that is a completely great conversation. Those are great conversations to be had, questions to be asked. Um, you know, like clearly, I, I don't, I don't know what it feels like to walk into a training camp as a player, as a rookie. I can only imagine, you know, the whirlwind that that is. So I actually like the the, the topic. I, obviously, I'm going on a rant about it. I like the topic. I like the questions. I like to have conversations about it because I am, a, again, a huge believer of continuing to find ways to bridge that gap in between the, the highest levels of the collegiate level and the pros. And, and how do we, you know, again, just you, you can't connect them fully because they're two different entities. But how is there a way that we can help, you know, again, players understand the, the systems, the styles, the, the culture that they're getting ready to walk into? completely agree it's a, a topic we could do like 15 other episodes on <laughs> all right real next quick because i know we're supposed to do a short episode week. next team 
Uh, Indiana Fever, completely agree with you. I know we've talked about the Fever a fair amount in recent episodes. Maybe people are sick of it. So we'll throw in one more team after it and I'll be brief. But you are 100% right. They have more cap room than they can do with it. And the funny thing is that isn't like they were in that same situation a few years back when they had a different GM. Not going to throw shade, so I'm not going to say the name. Um, But back then, they were just throwing crazy money at vets. Now, they're saying, let's hold on to some of that money. Let's wait. And they're in a position where they can have a, look, this isn't going to be the type of camp that you're having in New York um, where it's just a legit, you you have a championship roster and, and a couple of people are fighting for those last few spots and you're looking for a specific role player, blah, blah. This is going to be a tough one uh, for the Fever because when you're in this situation where you can sign that many young rookies, you kind of have to make that decision of, okay, are we going to have some, like, would we rather have growing pains now for a better future, a year down the road, end of the season, beginning of next season, middle of next season? Or do you want to sign players that have a little bit more experience, Maya Caldwell, <clears throat> Christy Wallace, <clears throat> um, and then, you know, maybe be a little bit better now, but aren't as good in the future. Um, and that's kind of the scale that they're on right now. Look, six players are a lot. Kelsey Mitchell, Erica Wheeler, Victoria Vivians, Emma Cannon, and Melissa Smith, and Leah Boston. Right. In my opinion, those are the definite, definite locks. You now, players that I expect. Queen, you wouldn't add Queen Agbo in that? The only reason I don't, I do, and I, perfect segue, Rachel. These are expected, but in my mind, not necessarily locks. Egbo, uh, Lexi Hall, and Destiny Henderson. And the reason they are is because if I'm the coach I or the GM, I 100% are bringing them on and I like them. All of that said, as you pointed out, they did just have a really good draft where I could very easily see them signing Grace, Boston, McSell, and Saxton. So like where at some point there's only 12 spots, you got to push some. It's like the old saying, I don't have any space for that in my head. Let me forget something so I can remember that. You know what I mean? Like it, you can't just add a billion people. So and that's not even talking about uh, Bernadette Hattar, Caldwell, Wallace. So, I mean, like, they, for got, me. They've got some really tough decisions to make. Exactly. Huge decisions. I would not be shocked to see any combination. But essentially, you have over 260K, well over 260K in open cap space to sign three players who are going to be at rookie scale slash minimum contracts, a.k.a. 70 or less. So you have no problem signing those three players and having money left over in case an injury happens for, for quick signings and whatnot. So for me, if I'm a WNBA fan, that's one of the most intriguing teams in camp right now, because like, again, there's players you can expect that team's going to have some shockers. That team's going to have some players who you thought were going to be making that Indiana fever team. But also I would say this, the Indiana fever are a team that have, a fair amount of young talent that if you see them do an early cut, I would not be shocked to see another team kind of, kind of hop on that, uh, pounce on that. And uh, let's see one other team, Rachel, pick me one other team and I'll quickly run down it. Uh, let's do Dallas. Oh, ho, ho. Dallas. Dallas is a very interesting one. And I say that about all of them because I'm a nerd and I got really into all these teams and I think it's really interesting, but you have essentially in my mind, five locks 
right? You have Arike, Natasha Howard, Tierra McCowan, Diamond of Shields, and Satu. Those five are the locks upon locks upon locks. And then you have Dangerfield, Awok, Burton, Dickey, and 86K uh, open, assuming you sign those players. Now, that's enough for one player with a little bit of change left over. But if they cut Charlie Collier, their number one pick from a few years back, which in my mind, if they don't cut her, it's because a certain GM uh, is letting his pride get the best of him. Um, <laughs> but essentially it comes down to this. You can sign one draft pick or cut Charlie and sign two. And based, that's just based on who they have on the books now. You can do other varieties of it, whatever. So maybe cuts Charlie. Does Crystal Dangerfield make the team? Jasmine Dickey. And can't forget about Latska. I know, Rachel. Come, I mean, uh, going to be late. <laughs> right? And then what about Lou Lopez? Seneschal? Oh, man. What about, you know, like Maddie? You, know, you, you really do Abby get the Meyer? sense that you get the sense that Dallas and Indiana are on like the same boat of like restructurization. I mean, they're not in the same because Dallas feels like it's further along the last couple of years being, being in that middle pack. But like in terms of new coach, a shit ton of draft picks that you're all trying to figure out how, how you're going to structure this roster and what this system looks like in this new era. Like you get the sense that they're kind of the same. They're very similar. Very similar. It's going to mm-hmm. be painful. Oh, totally. When I see some of these cuts, it's going to be painful for me. Yeah. and But then you know what? Then there's some other teams, Minnesota, maybe Seattle, maybe LA, who's sitting there and going, ooh, let's see who gets cut. Yeah, let's pounce sure. on that. For Bring sure. them on over. For yeah. sure. Um, Because, and and like, again, the maybes, Lotska, uh, Lou Lopez, Abby Myers, Ashley Jones, like, Maddie, right? Like, there's a lot of flexibility and possibilities uh, with the Dallas Wings where I'd be extremely interested because, again, they have enough room for right straight out two draft pick signs if they waive Charlie. If they don't waive Charlie, they're only able to sign one based on who they already have. Now, obviously, you can replace a Crystal Danger field. You can replace in a walk. And by replace, I mean swap out them for a different player uh a burton maybe like a jasmine dickey who's someone who who's on the fence um and then they are able to sign three rookies there's a lot of possibilities on that and it's going to be really really interesting i mean we could go down literally every single team and the reason it's so interesting we're not going to do it in every on this episode maybe we'll do it for we'll do the rest of the teams in the next episode um if they haven't already made some decisions by next week but i think the reason it's so interesting is we saw when the CBA was agreed to, we saw almost almost all the teams approach free agency and the salary cap in slightly different variations of two main ideas. And some of them were like, you know, gung ho throwing money crazy, but then recalibrated quite well. Look at the Indiana fever. Some didn't do as well. Look at the Minnesota Lynx. Um, And I just think it's really interesting because we talked about it during free agency, right? This isn't just what happened last year impacting this year. It's a buildup of multiple years getting us to this point. So I'm really excited for camping to, it's weird to say, I'm excited for the depression that's going to come when we start seeing all these amazing players get cut and like confused why this player got cut instead of this player. Um, 
But hey, it all comes down to who performs the best when the season actually starts. Rachel, I joked about this, but I'm serious. Who's your goat? Oh my god, I'm not doing this. You're going to try all season. I'm not answering the- All season. That's how we end every episode until Rachel answers. Rachel, who's your goat? <laughs>